today at Kalo Church, we're answering the question. Actually, can you say this with me? No. What to do when you're feeling helpless? Awesome. Well, we are in chapter eight of Esther. Can you believe it? Only two more chapters to go. Oh. If you want to follow along with us, please go to kalos.church Esther to see our reading plan and how you can get involved. And uh, I'm excited for this. I think it's going to speak to a lot of us. And as we get into the text, it reminds me of an old song I used to sing in the early 2000s with my friends by a band called Linkin Park. And it goes like this. I tried so hard and got so far, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. One thing, I don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard you try. So that song is a great song. It is, I will just give you a free pointer here. Very demotivating when you're working out in the gym or just doing anything goal related. But it is a song we used to sing and I can't help but wonder in the text if that's how Esther felt in this crazy scenario. Let's read about it right now. In verse three, it says, then Esther went again before the king falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot devised by Haman the Agagite against the Jews. Esther said, if it please the king, and if I have found favor with him, and if he thinks it is right, and if I am pleasing to him, let there be a decree that reverses the orders of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, who ordered that Jews throughout the king's provinces should be destroyed. For how can I endure to see my people and my family slaughtered and destroyed? In verse 8, but remember that whatever has been written in the king's name, the king said, and sealed with his signet ring can never be revoked. To recap, Esther is a scroll who has been brought into the greatest empire of the time, the Persian Empire, as basically a slave girl. She becomes queen and then discovers a plot to destroy all of her people, the Jewish people. So she courageously approaches the king, and this was something that she could have been killed for. Luckily and thankfully, God provides and she is not killed, and she's able to make a request to the king, and then the plot is unraveled. Haman is executed. Esther is revealed that she is Jewish, and it seems like the story is resolved, but the decree still exists. Haman, this evil man, had put this plan into motion for the Jewish people to be killed, and even though Haman died, he was executed, the plan is still in motion. Mm. And so Esther has to approach the king again at risk to her own life. And I, I just can't help but wonder if she felt like, wow, we've gone so far. Yeah. My enemy is dead, but all of my family members, all of my people, all of the Jewish people, their lives are still in danger. Mm -hmm. I tried so hard and got so far. I wonder if she sang that song in her spirit. What do you think? You know, and this feeling of helplessness is, is something that's very real. You know, a few weeks ago, I felt kind of helpless. Some friends of mine surprised me with a mountain expedition to hike Mount Adams. And we had to drive four hours to go to this mountain and we camped overnight. We finally climbed up and after climbing for hours, something began to happen to my body. I felt a cramp 
coming into my calf. And uh, if you know me, my body cramps for some reason really easily. And uh, it's happened throughout my whole life. I just discovered this last week. It happens to my dad as well. So it is genetic, not epigenetic. And uh, I've tried everything. I've gotten commercial grade potassium from labs. I've drank pickle juice. I've eaten so many bananas. I've stretched. I've tried to run beforehand and the cramps still come. So we're in this mountain. We're like three, four hours into the hike. We're about 8,000 feet up and my calves begin to cramp. And this is the most painful pain that I've personally ever experienced. It's totally debilitating. I can't move. And so I literally get stuck between a rock and a hard place on this mountain for two hours. Mm. Wind storms, dust storms, little chipmunks. I endured it all because of this cramp. And uh, I felt kind of helpless. I was like, man, we worked so hard to get to this point and now I can't even do anything. And as I, I waited out for two hours, I was like, I gotta get down this mountain. And so I slowly began my descent down the mountain. And I wasn't cramping, but I began to fear, when is the next cramp gonna come? And so because of my pain in the past and my helplessness in the moment, I began not to even exert all of my strength because I knew future pain could come. I don't know if you've ever felt this way in your helplessness, maybe in your depression, maybe your anxiety, maybe in this pandemic, you feel kind of helpless and you don't even feel like trying because you know that something in the future is just going to happen. That's going to bring more pain. I wonder if Esther felt this kind of helplessness you know, 2020 has been a wild time. I don't know if you've ever felt like this picture. You know, this is me being prepared for 2020. Look, full armor. Ah, oh, the arrow found the one place that I was not prepared. <laughs> you know, helplessness is difficult. And I, I want to let you know that feeling is actually something many of us can relate to. You know, in 1975, there was this experiment by a professor, a psychologist named Joe Siegelman, and he brought these college students into a room and he had a, a loud blaring noise as they were in this test. And they had a button. Each one of these students had a button that when they pressed it, the loud noise would disappear. But a minute later, the sound would come back. And so these students, they would press that button and get rid of the noise. But after a while, they just felt like, Man, no matter how many times we press this, the noise is going to come back. And every single one of the students, they stopped pressing the button because they just felt like it doesn't matter. Mm. There's no point. Mm. I can have some peace for a little bit, but the pain is just going to come back. I can have some resolve for a moment, but the pain is just going to come back. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like, why even fight for my marriage? I'm just going to mess it up in the future. Why even be a good parent? Like something bad is just going to happen. Why even try to study? I'm just going to fail this test. Like why even try to apply for a job? Every time I apply, it feels like it just goes into this black hole of a void and I never get a response. So I might as well just not try anymore. And that's a feeling of helplessness. I don't know if you felt that way. Helplessness feels like no matter how hard we try, we can't impact the stressful situations around us. And in this text, in chapter 8, I could understand if Esther felt helpless, but she never gives into it. And she, time and time again, focuses on the things that she can do. Mm. And I, I think that there are some things that we can do by learning and really observing the example of Esther. And so what are some things we can do right now when we're feeling helpless? Number one, we can keep approaching the king. Mm. In verse three, it says, then Esther went again before the king. 
falling down at his feet and begging him with tears to stop the evil plot advised, devised by Haman the Agagite against the Jews. Again, the king held out the golden scepter to Esther. So she rose and stood before him. And in verse five, let there be a decree, she says, that reverses the orders of Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, who ordered that Jews throughout the king's provinces should be destroyed. You know, she had been made safe from the plot of Haman. You know, the king realized this is my queen and she's Jewish. Of course, I'm going to protect her. But I like that she didn't just let her own safety stop her from fighting for everybody's safety. She still put her life in danger and at risk to go and protect all of the Jewish people. But what it required of her was to approach the king again. Mm. And sometimes that, that's scary. You know, we really focus on the first time she approaches the king. We celebrate that a lot in most of our sermons. But nobody really talks about the second time she approached the king. Mm. And I, I don't know if you felt like that in your faith. Like, you know, God, I, I've seen you work in the past. And I just don't know where you are right now. And we're like, I've tried God before. And I just, I don't have the strength to pray anymore. Lord, I keep on asking for the same thing again and again and again. What's the point? But I love that Esther approached the king again. You know, in Luke 18, Jesus gives us another example of having this persistence in prayer and approaching not just King Xerxes, but the king of kings. In verse 18, it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. I like that Jesus reminds us to keep praying. Don't give up. Maybe that's something you need to hear today. When you're, you're wondering about a diagnosis, if you're wondering about a feeling of helplessness, I want to join in what Jesus says and say, hey, keep praying. Yeah. Don't give up. You can approach the king again yes. and again yeah. and again, even when it feels like it doesn't matter, even feels like it's not going to work out. I just want to encourage you. Will you place your trust in Jesus? Mm -hmm. Will you approach him again and again and again? Mm -hmm. You know, with, with our son, he has an autism diagnosis. And I... I feel like I received a word from the Lord Jesus when we were pregnant with him, that all these things are going to happen to him, that he was going to walk in this leadership calling. And honestly, a lot of that doesn't make sense in light of this diagnosis. You know, he's still not able to really communicate, receive instructions, give instructions. And it, it feels like, Lord, I've been praying for two years, you know, every day almost help him speak help him. And, and sometimes I'm like, Lord, why do I even pray? It feels like it doesn't even matter. And I, I was talking with another pastor whose son is also uh, receiving an autism diagnosis. And he said, hey, Pradeepin, we both have words for our sons. And so why don't we keep praying and believing? And even if it makes us look foolish in light of reality, Pradeepin, why don't we be the king of fools? 
who keep believing that God is going to come through for our children? Why don't we keep seeking the king and pray with persistent prayers? Why don't we push, pray until something happens? Let's be the king of fools, people of faith. And I, I just so resonate with that. And I'm going to keep praying for our son. And you're going to keep praying for our son. And we'll keep praying until something happens. Like we, we accept that things may not look how we, you know, dreamt of or imagined, but we will not stop praying for our son to receive the best for the Lord's will to be done perfectly in his life. And so I just want to encourage you to keep praying and not give up. And, and, and when it's the hardest to pray, that's when we need to pray the yeah, hardest. Good. Pray hardest when it's hardest to pray. Amen. Amen. And so just like Esther, we can approach the king again. Mm. The second thing we can do like Esther is we can issue a second decree. You know, after the second request, Esther actually wrote a second decree. In verse seven, it says, then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I've given Esther the property of Haman and he has been impaled on a pole because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want and seal it with the king's signet ring. In verse 11, the king's decree gave the Jews in every city authority to unite and defend their lives. You know, we talk about the first decree that the Jewish people are going to be killed, but we don't often talk about the second decree. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy. Esther goes to the king with a prayer request, and then he says, hey, write whatever you want, and that will be my word. Isn't that amazing? Mm. Write whatever you want. Hey, Esther, you can literally write the future and you'll have all the authority of the king behind you. Mm. And he says, hey, you can't undo what I said in the past because as king, whatever I said in the past, that's going to stand. But you can write a new decree. Hey, the Jewish people can defend themselves from the attacks. And so she does that. And this is wild. Could you imagine if we had the power to say whatever we wanted and do it in the name of King Xerxes. Well, I want to let you know that we have an even greater authority mm -hmm. that we can write the future with. Mm -hmm. We have authority. Mm -hmm. We can speak things into existence. In John 14, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will mm -hmm. do it. You know, I believe some of us are still living under the authority of the first decree. Mm -hmm. But here's what Jesus does for us. He says, I'm giving you the power to ask for anything in my name, just like Esther was given that same power by King Xerxes. Wow. Yeah. Hey, Esther, you can ask for anything in my name. Just write your words and I will sign it and we will use my ring to give you the authority. And Jesus says, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Mm. My goodness, you know, I, I think as a church, we do a bad job of acknowledging the pain and sometimes we just try to hype over it. But we need to remember that as Christians, we do not have a victim mentality. Right. We don't have to just accept every bad word over our life, every bad decree. The things that people have spoken over you, that you will be a failure, that you will live in mess, that you will just go from bad to bad to bad. You don't have to accept that. Why? Because we can ask for anything in the name yeah. of Jesus, we can issue a second decree over every single tragedy. Wow. We don't have to accept our bad circumstances. We can go to King Jesus and he says our words can make a difference for the future. Amen. This is what Amen. we have. 
And so feeling helpless does not mean we are powerless. Mm. It does not because mm. we have King Jesus. And so, uh, you know, my, this is kind of a crazy example. It helps me understand, but I remember my dad, he had his Facebook left open on my computer. And so what did I do? I started to write a status update because I knew I was writing in his name. And this is what I wrote. This is my dad's account, but it was my words. I wrote, you are my son and I love you more than your sister. <laughs> because I was in his account, I had the power to write that. Yeah. And my, my sister hated seeing that, but I didn't care. And I could write in my father's name. Man, how amazing is it that we can write in our heavenly father's name? In Mark 11, it says, I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. This is what we have in Jesus. And there's a time for us as believers to simply stop talking about our problems and start speaking to our problems. Mm. Problem, you need to be moved. Mountain, you need to be removed. Is there something in your life that you need to speak to? Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's some health issues. Maybe it's something with your family. Maybe it's something with your children. Maybe it's something with your future. Maybe it's something from your past. I believe that in the name of Jesus, we can speak to those mountains to be moved and they will yes, move. Yes. Jesus says Amen. it and I will believe it. Yeah. And so instead of telling our, our, our God how big our problems are, we get to tell our problems, how big our God is Amen. by the authority he's given us. And the third thing that Esther did that I believe that we can do when we're feeling helpless is this. We can bring people good news. You know, I love that Esther didn't forget about all the other people who are still living under the pain and desperation of the first decree. She issued a second decree and made sure that they received the message. In verse 14, it says, So urged on by the king's command, the messengers rode out swiftly on fast horses bred for the king's service. The same decree was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa. In verse 16, after hearing about the second decree, because these messengers delivered it, it says the Jews were filled with joy and gladness and were honored everywhere. In every province and city, wherever the king's decree arrived, the Jews rejoiced and had a great celebration and declared a public festival and holiday. And many of the people of the land became Jews themselves. For they feared what the Jews might do to them. And so here the Jews are living under this fear. They're just waiting for people to come and kill them. But then Esther, she issues this second decree. You can defend yourselves. You can unite. And suddenly they're filled with power. Mm. They're empowered mm. by Esther's word. And yeah. suddenly they can fight and they have great victory. And the scripture says that many people in this land eventually became Jewish people themselves wow. because of this. Look how this story has changed so much. Yeah, yeah. We see weeping, fasting, and mourning, and now they're celebrating and declaring a holiday, and people are becoming Jews themselves because they're seeing the victory that they're walking in. You know, in this time of quarantine and pandemic, there are a lot of people in our lives that are still living under the weight and the power of the first decree, death. A death sentence, pain, hopelessness, anxiety, just fear for the future. And I love that Esther didn't just think about herself and her prayer and her request. And, uh, you know, I just have this kind of challenging question, but 
If God answered all of your prayers, would it just help you? Mm. I mean, if God answered every wow. single prayer you've ever, you know, prayed in the season, would it just help you or, or would it help others? Wow. And I, I, I just want to be like these messengers, you know, that, that Esther sent out with good news. And this is something we can do. Yeah. Esther, even though she may have felt helpless, she still was able to be helpful. Mm. And, and when we know that we have the Holy Spirit as our helper, someone who has comforted us, someone who has defeated Haman, someone who's defeated the enemy, we do not have to stay helpless. In fact, we can help other people by delivering the message of good news, yeah. just like Esther did. Amen. Hey, we have power. Hey, we can fight. We're not just you know, recipients of the enemy's attack time and time again, we can defend ourselves in the spirit. God is with us. We have power in the name of Jesus. Amen. And I just want to challenge you, you know, especially in this time of quarantine, the church is going through a critical period. Yeah. And we can't depend on the old forms of ministry that we've had. Yeah. A lot of times we could just bring people to an in-person service and they would hear the good news, but that's just not a reality right now. Yeah. And I just want to say, church, more than ever, we need you to carry the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We need you to ride fast and quickly to bring a message of hope to people who are still living under the pain of the first decree. They need you. Could you bring hope to your family member? Could you bring hope to your coworker? Instead of just focusing on our own helplessness, I think maybe it's time to step out and be a blessing to others. Amen. Who in your life could really use some hope yeah. delivered by you? Yeah. Who in your life could really use the message of Jesus Christ delivered by you? In Mark 16, it says, And he said to them, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples, and we're his disciples. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It's our time to jump on the fast horses, bread for the king's service, and go deliver a message of hope. We're not helpless. We can approach the king again. We can issue a second decree and yeah. we can bring a message of good news. You know, as I was climbing down that mountain, the mountain I, I cramped on, I was like in so much pain and I was fearing future pain and I, I really felt helpless. Like the guys I, I was with there could travel so much faster without me. I'm just like, man, maybe they should just go on without me. And this stranger approached me, someone I'd never met before. And he saw me stumbling down this mountain and he said, hey, I have, I have two, two walking poles. Like these are designed for mountains. Would you, would you want these support poles? Oh. And I said, Yes, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> I'm just so thankful that this guy who had these poles, he could have used them for himself. Yeah. He could have given to people he knew, but he chose to like recognize that I was living in some sort of helplessness and hopelessness. Yeah. I was stumbling around in pain and he, he offered what he had to me. And there are so many people around us, they're just stumbling. Yeah. They just feel like they're between a rock and a hard place. They're feeling helpless. And, and like Esther, who considered others, and it's like, how can, how can I not despair when all my family is suffering, when they're under the threat of the first decree? This stranger, he helped me, and I was able to get down that mountain. I'm so thankful. And I want to ask you, church, would you do that same thing for others? Would you bring a message of good news? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Father, I, I thank you so much for Esther chapter 8 and these lessons we get to learn. And Lord, I'm just so thankful that you have helped us time and time again. 
I'm so thankful that we don't have to live under the first decree of death that's been spoken over our life. But Lord, when we place our trust in you, you say, yes, the, the wages of sin are death, but through Jesus Christ, who took death upon himself on the cross, you give us life and life abundantly. You've spoken a second decree over us that we have hope. We have access to life. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would help us to keep on approaching the King of Kings, that we would pray that we wouldn't give up Lord, that we would speak to our mountains and see them move, that, Lord, you'd help us, even in our unbelief, even when we lack faith, Lord, I pray that you would help us have faith. And, Lord, that we wouldn't just help ourselves, but we would bring a message of hope to those who are feeling hopeless and helpless. And, Lord, we're so thankful that with you, we can make a difference, that we aren't victims to our circumstances, that we can place our trust. And as we cast our cares on you, you take care of us, Lord. We're so thankful. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 amen.